to Cruise Club. We've got the need, the need to podcast. This is episode two, Taps, from 1981. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And I don't know how we did it, Mike, but we have selected an actor in which both of the first two movies he was in, he is the most manic part of it, and arguably the most watchable in both movies. We, I, yep. I, I don't know how we did it. Uh, luck of the draw, I guess, you know? We just put all of our chips on the right color this time. But yeah, from an arsonist to, you know, this uh, military academy cadet, he yep. is super intense and... This has been. This was crazy. This was great. He was great in this. That's all I got to start by saying. So the big news from IMDb, the IMDb Tribune, as Chris Podcast calls it, Love it. Uh, says that Tom Cruise is originally going to play a background character in the film, but the director Harold Becker was so impressed by the way he conducted himself during rehearsals that he was offered the part of David Sean. At wow. first. Cruz refused, and then was finally convinced by Becker and producer Stanley R. Jaffe to play the role. Which, Whoa! Right? Did they did they say who he replaced? Did he did they have someone else in mind or anything? I don't know. All I know okay. is that two thousand right. people auditioned for the Sean Penn part, and huh. he won the role after he was seen in an off-Broadway play called Heartland by the film's casting director Shirley Rich. Oh, so, not uh, Racing the Moon. Maybe that no, was after that's, this. That's, that's three after. years later. That's My three bad. years later. This is also a year before Fast Times. Shout out both Cage Club and Cinemakers. Oh, I had but this is like the opposite. First... This is like the anti-Spicoli. Yeah, I had always thought that was his first role, and I don't feel like I've ever seen him do a role like this again. Like this seems very against what will become sort of his type. I feel like he's not like the macho tough guy. Like I come to sort of know him as in movies and stuff. But well, yeah. I feel like Racing with the Moon is maybe kind of close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess younger young Penn is very younger, very different. Vulnerable. Watch. Yeah, yeah. I was not expecting that, but Cruz here. Oh my gosh! Like I can understand when they say like that guy's got something or whatever, but like because he jumps out of this movie at people, at you, at me, and I can understand why the director really pushed him like to do this, and I'm really glad he did because like boom. I mean, I could tell just instantly. I, I loved when, uh, and we'll get into all the parading and stuff, but boy, mm-hmm. like he is precise with all that shit, and I was like, he is on point in this movie, and like that was really cool. I think that's the the precision and the like. I wrote down that this movie has more pomp and/or circumstance than every other movie that I've ever seen. Like there is so much regalia in the way that like the the proper use of the word and like the improv like I just it just Mm -hmm. feels like this movie is so formal and fancy and I feel like it's Tom Cruise's like precision and like dedication to this type of character which is what won him over you know in the eyes of the director because like you're like he is on top of things yeah and I feel like that's the whole culture that they're going for on display here right with like the military academy like I never I mean this isn't like the best movie but I really enjoyed it and thought it was entertaining because it gets into that aspect of stuff where like this is a side of life I'm never Ever, ever gonna experience right like only through film and they kind of make a comment about that I'll talk about a little bit later maybe about how military is portrayed in film and stuff but you know this is like a high school film but like a boarding school film but also a military academy movie like it was a very interesting mixture and I found it entertaining on that level to see all of the rules and all of like you know like the pecking order and you know who's in charge and who the superiority and you know all of that kind of stuff it was very it was a very interesting thing to watch on that level regardless of like you know whether it entirely like holds itself together throughout the entire thing you know like this was giving me flashbacks to uh, another movie that you really loved for when did charlie's this was giving me flashbacks to men of honor yeah maybe i have like a secret love of i like, think you love the military movies yeah like, 
Yeah, maybe. I mean, I have no, you know, desire to join the military, unfortunately. I, I Well, don't say unfortunately. I mean, well, you're a 40-year-old man. You, well, at this point, you, yeah, it's not going to happen. You've your point in life where you're going to join the military. <laughs> Probably. But, yeah, there's just something about the people that do embrace that lifestyle that is pretty fascinating because it's a lifestyle you really have to be all in on, you know? Like, it is your life. It's, you, you know, it doesn't seem like you can just sort of turn this off. No, no. Especially if you're not, if you're Tom Cruise, right? But we will get to oh, that. Oh, boy. So this movie is about a, a military school in which there are a bunch of... So it seems like there is one adult, and that is General <laughs> Bash, who half an hour into this movie, George C. Scott, who plays Patton in Patton, uh, half an hour into this movie, there's a scuffle with a, a band of ruffians that I was calling the Outsiders. Like, in a couple movies, you know, the next movie, <laughs> the uh, Cruise is going to be in the Outsiders, right? Mm-hmm. And I felt yeah. like this was like the ghost of Cruise future sort of roughing up the ghost of Cruise present. A band of ruffians is, like, heckling this military school's prom of sorts. And in this scuffle, someone in on one of the sides pulls the gun out of General Bash's waist that we had seen. Like, it was really like Chekhov's gun. Like, we saw, like, this close-up shot of this gun almost immediately the gun goes off and kills a ruffian, kills an outsider. And General Bash goes to the hospital, has a heart attack on the way there, and then dies later in the movie. So this guy who's top build in the movie is only in the first half an hour. But the movie is about this school where he's the only adult and everyone else is a high schooler who is, there's like a pecking order and there's, you know, majors and captains and cadets and all these different things. The school is going to be taken over by condo developers or local land developers is going to be bulldozed after the school year and replaced by housing and they need to protect the school and they have like a military standoff against the actual military and some of them take it more seriously than others most specifically tom cruise yeah it's it's pretty crazy like i did not see this movie going in two directions and the first direction is i thought it was going to be a straight up we're just going to do a year at the at the academy Maybe someone's going to get hazed and it's going to go too far, right? Or like someone's going to die, but uh, it'll have been an accident and, you know, we'll go on. First thing I didn't expect was that land developers came in and are going to tear down this historic military. Like, I just feel like the government would step in at some point, too, because these graduates go on to West Point and like they listed all the honors of all the fallen soldiers who used to go there i'm like there's no there's no way that this would just you know happen but i'm going with it because Patton makes a speech at the commencement where he's like i'm not gonna let this happen we're gonna fight we're gonna fight and he like puts this idea into all the cadets heads that like don't go down without a fight and then there's like out of nowhere there's that scuffle i was not expecting that but i should have known better and the kid gets shot and then Patton's out of the movie for good george c scott i know him mostly from dr strange love i've still not seen Patton. right yeah, yeah, um, yeah. should get to that this year uh, and then he's out of the movie second turn i wasn't expecting to happen that the young cadet ends up it becomes his movie the siege which or the standoff which there we go like okay i really once we got there i i started to sort of get my bearings again and i was like all right this is the rest of the movie and it plays out really well actually i was quite surprised you know there was a couple i wouldn't say obvious but like things i was expecting to happen happen like some youngsters you know some little kids in the younger grades get shot and stuff and there's some deaths that you wouldn't maybe expect that person to go or whatever there's dissension in the teenage ranks and stuff and i thought it played out pretty well actually i feel like this is the kind of thing where you could criticize it for trying to be like oscar Beatty, but it also just feels so genuine and earnest that it's hard to do that i think like it seems like all the actors here have fully committed to this life and to this type of role you were mentioning you know the george c scott 
speech at the beginning. There's that speech at the end between Timothy Hutton and Sean Penn, where Timothy Hutton is just like, like, we got to stop doing this. Like, where he finally realizes, like, the gravity of the situation. Like, there are a couple moments where just like, holy shit, like, this is like, this is serious. I, it's, it's so well put together and so, like you're saying, unexpected. And it's just, it's not at all what I was expecting going into this, but here yeah. we are, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah, I was actually pretty surprised about how they were able to keep it entertaining like on like uh, like there's some action sequences there's some good argument sequences like every time i thought it was just going to be kind of stale because we get scenes that aren't unique per se we've seen a lot of these scenes just in movies where kids are arguing with their parents but now it's in a standoff at a military academy so there's like a cool sort of extra tension twist going on between stuff so it's nice how they've sort of we're dealing with issues and things we've seen before but it, it's the situation that yeah. uh, that i thought was really cool to, to sort of play into so uh, to keep in line with our new format for the tom tom club our tom cruise and tom hanks podcast if you're just listening to this one we have a we have a separate sort of running simultaneously podcast all about tom hanks go check out hanks for the memories h-a-n-x for the memories alternating releases every friday with this podcast. But Mike, what was your favorite moment? Before we get into the majesty of Tom Cruise, the mania of Tom Cruise in this movie, was it a thing that he did or was it another moment? Like, what was your favorite part about Taps? I had more than one, but I'm going to go with my first favorite moment, I think. It does involve Tom Cruise. We might get into it a little more in depth later, but so it's the moment where he surprises Timothy Hutton, where he asks him to like come out into the hall. He's got a surprise for him, and it's like this—I um, don't know how do you explain it. He, he's got it's like, like all... processional. It's like this. Yeah, like he, it's like the, an... the, the chapter on the DVD is called "Honored by His Peers" or something like mm-hmm. that. Like, yeah, it's just a bunch of kids like paying respects to their their new second in command. Really, yeah. Like he's got all all of the like upperclassmen are in their uniform and full regalia lined up in the hallway, and Tom Cruise takes out a sword and marches up and down and sort of leads them, you know, in honoring their very good friend. And they start flipping the gun. They do the the gun flip thing. And all I could kept thinking was, could you imagine if, like, they were on the battlefield and flipping guns to each other to like reload and recharge. And I don't know. I just found that part about it very curious as well. Cause I see that all the time, you know, talk about pomp and circumstance and yeah. parade and everything. Like they do a lot of that gun flipping stuff, but I always wondered how practical that would be in battle. Otherwise, like I thought that that was uh, my favorite scene. I think I, I got to go. My favorite moment I think might be so. So actually before we get to my favorite moment, before that scene, Timothy Hutton goes and has dinner and they drink brandy and this is it's this big thing and he's you know he gets the promotion he gets these like the gold oak leaves and he gets the collar and like this is now he's the second in command and George C. Scott tells him that like aside from him aside from General Bash like he is now in charge like Timothy Hutton is in charge of the school when George when you know George C. Scott shoots he is arrested for ostensibly shooting the kid and then has a heart attack like Timothy Hutton's in charge of this school now in charge of like 115 or 150 or whatever boys like He's probably, what, 17? Yeah, yeah, if that, yep. Like, man, man, oh man. But, uh, you know, he comes back from dinner, and he, he lives with his roommate, Sean Penn, and he's, like, showing off, and then Tom Cruise comes and just says, I would give my right nut for those gold oak leaves. And I was just like, <laughs> oh, okay. Like, he is just so in admiration of both Timothy Hutton and the honor and the rank and the regalia. Love that. I wrote that quote down. But my favorite thing, I think, was the very end of the movie, jumping to the very end, we get 
big moment here, Mike. Our first Tom Cruise death in a movie. It's huge. So at the end, Timothy Hutton and Sean Penn decide this is enough, enough is enough. We're going to move on. We're we're outmatched. Like this is stupid. We're just kids, essentially. I mean, that's not what not that's not, that's not their reasoning, but that's essentially the, the the point they come to. They all walk outside and basically wave the white flag of surrender. But Tom Cruise is sitting in his like it's almost like you know it's a perch. Yeah, nation's pride or pride yeah, of a nation, oh, whatever that was, that dude, movie was, the Eli oh, Roth movie. Mm-hmm. In Inglorious Bastards, mm-hmm. I was thinking the exact same thing. Uh, I was like, oh, he's no Zoller or whatever. No, and he's sitting up there, and there's like this general or this other like high-ranking military guy in the actual military. He's not affiliated with the school, but he's the one that is like, or he's like the the governor's muscle or whatever. And he's who they've been negotiating with. And he's standing right outside the gate, watching everyone walk out, hats off, no guns in their hand. And Tom Cruise lines up his rifle and shoots this guy square in the chest and then just starts shooting everybody else and pulls out a machine gun and starts going nuts. And, like, a tank drives through the gate and, like, they storm the base. You know, Tom Cruise is losing his mind and just shooting and shooting and shooting. Like, he's, like, in in war. Like, this is his nom. And then Sean Penn and Timothy Hutton run up. They're like, what are you doing? And he turns around just, like, spit spewing from his face. And he says, it's beautiful, man, beautiful. And then he gets lit the fuck up by bullets and dies into Sean Penn's arms, who then carries Tom Cruise outside, which is how the movie should end. But then we cut to a processional, like this other, like, how the movie kind of begins, right? Like, there's, like, this ceremony, like, Mm -hmm. everything goes on. It's something you see more or less in, like, a comedy, where they do, like, a roll call of everyone, like, all the lead roles in the movie, and you sort of see, like, that person was in the movie, that person was in the movie. But now it's, like, all the dead cadets. Most of them are gone, I think. Didn't Timothy Hutton get lit up as well in in the crossfire? I thought. I thought he maybe. Died too. I don't. I don't and know. Then, possibly. Okay, and then Sean Penn was just left like wondering, yeah. like, what am I gonna do? <laughs> yeah, I called him Machine Gun Tommy because, like, all throughout the movie, he was all about the guns. Tommy was... the Machine Gun from Rocky Five. <laughs> yeah, and then like when he was lifting weights, he had like you know he was pretty buff in this movie. Like yeah. even when his shirt was on, like he just looked very intimidating, and he had that buzz cut, but. That moment was insane, for sure. Yeah, very good. You know, we got a couple other babyface actors in this. We got a real young, I mean, everybody's real young, but a real young Giancarlo Esposito, the guy who plays Gus Fring on Breaking Bad and and Better Call Saul, he's in this. We've Mm -hmm. got Evan Handler in his first movie role. I've, I've never seen him with hair. I really only know him as Charlie Runkle in Californication. David Duchovny's like... A perverted sex addict of an agent who's married okay. to Pamela Adlon. That he's got this like really shiny bald head and that. And here he's the one who I don't know what his name is, but he's like one of the he's one of the main kids, and this is his first movie. Oh, okay, I think I know the one who's like really with them, and then he jumps ship at one point. Yes, and all like, I yes, can't believe he's he leading his platoon. And, he's the one who yeah. puts down the rifle, and they get really yes, okay. yeah. And I think that's the moment Tom Cruise starts to really flip because he's realized like there's traitors in our midst, and like if my best one of my best mates could just you know leave like that. That, like I gotta make sure that when the shit is the fan, I'm in control. Like that, because <laughs> I feel like he loses it before the end, and at the end, he's full on, you know, like at war. Yeah, because there's even the moment where they're having like basically attendance is being taken, right? Like how many of your men are still here? Mm-hmm. Like oh, I'm missing three, I'm missing four, I'm missing seven. And Tom Cruise is like all soldiers accounted for. Like he has whipped his red berets into shape. Yeah. And they even like point out like later in the movie that like, you know, when Sean Penn and Timothy Hutton are talking, I think even, you know, Evan Handler brings it up. He's just like, you know, I was walking around like he's got his guys like ready to shoot 
and kill whoever walks by. And like, yeah, that's a soldier's duty. They're like, no, but like, we're not that. We're not that. And they're like, oh yeah, right. Like that's kind of like things maybe gone too far. But like, we have seen really like Tom Cruise like whip his boys in the shape. It seems like maybe it's not true, but it seems like a lot of his kids are younger. Like mm-hmm. it seems like he's kind of got the younger recruits. And then some of them leave and some of them die at the end. But it feels like a lot of his guys are younger and more impressionable. And he has like the utmost control over all of them. Sean Penn is even his rival in this, right? Like, him and Sean Penn really don't see eye-to-eye at all because they're on, like, that food mission at the one point and their car breaks down and, like, uh, someone gets out to try and fix it, but then more townies sort of show up and then it starts to get, like, real hairy and Tom Cruise just fucking jumps out of his truck with a machine gun and starts shooting it up into the air going, like, ah, ah, and everyone gets into one truck and they pull away and they get back to the academy and, and Sean Penn is, like, pissed and he's telling Timothy Hunt and he's like he's losing control he's lost it man and Tom Cruise is just like hey man I did what I had to do man like I got us no, back no one you know? died like, yeah yeah like, like we're it worked here, essentially dude. yeah and I was like oh shit like <laughs> like they are they are drawing battle lines here and it is it is crazy <laughs> yeah I mean I, I love that scene where the, the car breaks down and you know he, he sort of saves the day by shooting his gun but then like then there's like he's also like blaming or he's calling Sean Penn out because Sean Penn was driving right and like he rammed through the cop car and like everybody's kind of a little bit at fault here but not really and like it's this weird like I feel like watching the movie I wasn't sure if we were gonna get a real confrontation or not because it felt like we definitely were, but it also seemed like, well, these kids aren't going to take on the military, right? But, like, it seems like, oh, no, but they actually, they might. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, was, mm-hmm. it was this weird, delicate balance that the movie was playing between how far is this going to go? And, whew, it, it, it got there. I mean, it almost didn't, but then because of Tom Cruise, because of Tommy the Machine Gun, uh, Machine Gun Tommy, he, he, he did it. That's why I thought it was, like, uh, ultimately, like, a good film, because they do they did go there like it's just really interesting how the actual military like rolls in at that one point and there's like hundreds of trucks and they're like really putting on a show of force yeah. and calling the kids bluff and the kids are like really trying to like not fold you know but a couple of them are like jumping over the fence and one or two of them accidentally get shot so it like really gets to a point a boiling point and you feel it and I was like really not expecting to to be quite honest to the point where at the end when they're all surrendering and the shot does go off the shit really does hit the fan like it really feels like it hits the fan and you know yeah. it, it does feel like a real war and I was like wow they, they're going here like they're they kind of earned it too so Mike what was your least favorite moment of taps I mean, it's a movie that, like, I didn't love, but I think is well-made. Like, it's not a movie that I'm going to watch again, but yeah. it's a movie that I, I'm i sort of glad that I watched, especially for Tom Cruise's performance, to see where all these guys really started from. But what what was your... Is there something that you didn't like? What, what did you like least about Taps? This might be a little hard to explain, but I'm going to go for it anyway. So it's more of, like, a, an idea that kind of confused me that uh, this movie feels like, it, at times, is kind of sending mixed messages. There's a point in the early on when George C. Scott is having the kids over for dinner, and he's talking about, I've been here my entire life, and people think I'm crazy, and it's like, you know, military leaders and media and film, like, we're all portrayed as, like, crazy like we gone mad and then he's like because in a way you have to go mad to do what we do and all this and i'm like where's this movie going with that are they gonna are they gonna show us the kids are gonna keep their control and keep their cool and and maintain under pressure and then no like 
the movie is kind of about how military academy raises these kids to go kind of crazy, you know, yeah. and it's like proven with the Tom Cruise character especially, but almost even by what Timothy Hutton does in the first place to to start this whole sort of uh, standoff in the first place and stuff. So like I, I was a little like I, I was able to put that out of my mind because ultimately I don't feel like this is a message movie. But I was confused as to why that was there, and the idea was always sort of worming around my head throughout. Like, what is this movie ultimately trying to say? I understand war is hell, like, it's bad and stuff, and, like, yeah, we shouldn't really be raising kids just to go to war, but, you know, we do have to get soldiers from somewhere. So I was just kind of confused a little bit on, on that front, if that qualifies for a worst part of the movie. Sure. There's no wrong answers, Mike. It's whatever you want it to be. Okay. I'm going to go with one of my fa- my least favorite moments. I mean, this is not a movie that really bothered me. Like, I think at some points it was, like, a little bit slow, and, like, I was not turned off by how... Like, I was I was actually... It was a weird blend of, like, bored but impressed but by, by how formal they got. Like, when the, in the beginning, when, it, when they have the entire, like, church ceremony, and then they have the entire thing, they're reading this incantation, they're reading this, like, description stuff, I'm just like, they're really setting this movie up to be, like, a very specific formal thing. I wasn't loving watching it, but I was appreciating that this movie knew what it was, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I feel like a lot of the movie was kind of like that, where I was like, I don't, like, this isn't really, you know, I'm not feeling all of this, but I I appreciate the movie is dedicated to what it's doing. Like the scene where George C. Scott takes a pill or whatever, like there's like a 45 second, like silent scene where he's just like, you see him like stressed and like kind of at the end of his rope, which I guess is kind of right before the heart attack. But I think I, I'm going to go with a scene in which there's not a lot of women in this movie because this is an all-boys military school. You know, there's a couple moms that come and talk to their kids or whatever. But at the prom, there's a couple girls, and, you know, they're they're meeting with the, with the General Bash and stuff. And then, you know, General Bash says to one girl, like, he, you know, meets her, shakes her hand or whatever. And then just, like, to the next kid, and this it's sort of innocuous, but also when you don't have too many women in your movie, he's just like basically like nice job son nice job and it's just like well like there's mm-hmm. not a lot of women i understand like it's the camaraderie but also maybe don't treat one of the only like three women in your movie as like a total object but you know i don't know it was just it sort yeah. of rubbed me a little bit the wrong way like, like this is not a movie there's not roles for women because there's not even roles for adults right like it's just there's general bash and then there's the other guy really kind of not great representation yeah basically just the parents right there's one or two shots of like four parents and i think maybe two of them are moms and i think one of them says something and then is immediately talked down to by like one of the dads or something so yeah not not great but i and i agree with like the opening too like when this started my first notice somber this movie yeah. is very somber but it, it it isn't ultimately but it does take its time like it is going to sort of draw everything out and try and make a point of everything and say like this is important this is you know we're taking our time because it's important and yeah. it, was, it was a little bit of an early hump to get over but uh, worth pointing out that Timothy Hutton was nominated for a Golden Globe for his performance and as he did not win he lost to Mickey Rooney who starred in a TV movie named called Bill which hmm. I've never heard of um, but he nope. won a a Golden Globe for that, beating out Timothy Hutton for this movie. Uh, Taps cost $14 million to make. Any guesses how much it made at the box office, just domestic? Um, let's see, 14 I think it did well. I'm going to say 40 45 35 So almost, okay. 30, almost 36 But yeah, that was, it made its money back. It was a fairly decent hit. Looks like it opened its, uh, its, its wide opening weekend. 
It opened in second behind a movie called Sharky's Machine, which I don't know what it is. Came out in January '82. Hmm. Opened limited in December '81, and hmm. then rolled out in '82. Sounds like it could be like a Burt Reynolds title or something like that. <laughs> Actually, of note, uh, in its fourth week. Raiders of the Lost Ark came in sixth, so this week, Taps was also in its fourth week here, but its first wide release week uh, outgrossed Raiders of the Lost Ark, so that's uh, an accomplishment there. I got a tiny, tiny bit of a Red Dawn vibe from this, just because it was like kids with machine guns, I guess, like doing military shit <laughs> against adults, but yeah. One of the first things, I, want, I haven't seen Red Dawn, so I don't, I don't mean to blow by it, but I don't, I, I know about it, I know it's where... Russia or North Korea or something evades invades us, right? Yeah, that... the, the the first one I've only seen. Yeah, when Russia and they remade that, right? Yeah, they remade it recently, and uh, it was North Korea, I think. Gotcha. Well, the first thing that we see, the way that we're introduced to Tom Cruise, he's coming down the stairs or up the stairs or whatever, mm-hmm. and turns to someone and just says, "Hey, you want to play some Dungeons and Dragons?" And I was like, "What? What?" <laughs> and I was like, "That's weird and cool," but also it's the second movie in a row where he is all about sports and games. Like in the first movie, our Billy the Arsonist loves soccer, apparently. And here, Dungeons and Dragons, like a different kind of, you know, leisure activity, but also a sport and game. So there we go. And he also turns to the camera and flips the bird. He does. Like, what an intro. Like, this kid's not taking any shit, I guess. Oh, there's a scene where he's in the shower and he pushes his little kids aside to get, I guess, to have the, the warm water. And then Sean Penn comes in. Sean Penn like spends the first like half of this movie just busting his balls. And Sean Penn says Snow White and the Two Dwarves. So we get almost some Tom Cruise nudity there. I again I don't know like it's it's worth tracking, I think, uh nudity from movie to movie. We get another shirtless cruise here a couple yeah. times maybe. But Yeah, no, I think so. I mean and also like I mean, aside from maybe like prison movies, I can't remember seeing like just a conversation in a shower between a bunch of naked guys. But like, it was a little awkward seeing like the two little like ten-year-olds between them. I guess that was kind of strange. And there's a shot where Sean Penn like stares at someone his age, but is hit at at that dude's dick and makes a joke about like mom never gave you toys to play with or something. I was just like, what are you? What? What? (laughs) What are you? What? Locker room talk, but locker room talk. There's a there's a moment where the school so after General Bash General Bash is arrested, uh, the the town or the governor or whoever sends people to the school to take stock of the ammunition and everything. You know, Timothy Hutton walks in on them and just finds out what's going on. And Tom Cruise says, maybe the best quote in the movie, I'd like to take a grenade and shove it right up their asses. And it's like, oh, this guy is, there's something in him. Like, there's something, mm-hmm. he's, he's, he's unhinged. He's got a short fuse, this kid. Uh, he's just doing what he's been taught and trained to do to the best of his ability, which is what scared me the most about all of this, right? Is like, he's a worst case scenario kind of thing. Like, you give him all the tools, but then he's snapped and he can go psycho. And he's able to do, like, he's he's convincing. Yes, that's the other thing. He's almost like, it's almost like um, cultish in a way, I feel, because he's got like the charisma, he's super smart and he knows what he's talking about, and, if, and he's like very manipulative towards these other people people because they're all kids like these are all like 15 like 10 to 16 year old people you know so like he's definitely one of the few you know one of the three or four that have their head screwed on straight and are not looking to be led right because as a kid i feel like we're all looking for leaders and we all succumb to lots of peer pressure and if tom cruise is like in this movie putting the pressure on you like you're gonna 
fall in line behind a guy like that, like one way or the other. So I just feel like he just acquired an immense amount of power somehow in this academy. Yeah. Oh, we, we you mentioned the scene before, but when he's doing bicep curls, there's that like heavy set kid who comes by. We haven't seen him, I don't think, up to that point. And he just looks in at Tom Cruise. He's like, you got any grenades? Which I don't know what he's, I guess he's just gathering grenades. And Tom Cruise just turns his head, stares at him, still while doing his bicep curls, says not a word, turns his head, looks straight ahead again, and just keeps working out. And the kid just goes next door, and the kid next door is just like, oh yeah, here you go. And then, you know, Tom Cruise walks out, like, with his shirt on. But, like, again, like, it's just, he's got this, like, quiet intensity and like yeah it's he's he's scary he is man i and i it maintains that the whole movie too i think he almost gets scarier than by the end he's just like you said before he's like a monster or something or like he's just something else like he's reached this whole other level like he's gotten out of control but it's really interesting to watch like that's what i'll just keep saying like the way he's able to keep up that intensity throughout the entire movie to be so like you know for it to come through so well like consistently like it's amazing that like this is his first big movie like this because he's really holding his own and like you can just see like he's gonna surpass like you know everyone else then around him at this point yeah it's it's great and like later you know that that intensity that like assuredness comes back where like timothy Hutton, i think it's like when he's starting to lose his grasp on like the situation everything and he, he says something to tom cruise and tom cruise is like oh yeah i slept like a baby this afternoon for two whole hours like and he like he's just so jazzed he's like he's like this is what i live for like this is like this is what i've been waiting for and timothy Hutton just like looks like on the brink of exhaustion and like can't get anything done and just he's just beat and cruise he's got that movie star smiling because eyes are shining and he's just like he's like i'm like bring it on like i am ready for this and it's who boy it's interesting because it does turn into like a real war movie you yeah. know like at one point it just does like it, it doesn't matter that where they are exactly because they're all going through like mentally and physically like all of the same sort of cycles that people in the actual shit that are going through that you see in other war movies and stuff you know like it's really interesting on that level that this is just because we are sending kids these age this age to war this is how they would probably be reacting over there i'm not sure though that's one thing when does this movie take place is it the 80s or the 60s or something i really wasn't sure if it took place in the 80s because then there wouldn't be a war going on necessarily like a ground war but no but i think that there's always you always train troops just in case yes yes yeah i was just thinking like if this took place something in like the 60s or something then like these kids are facing nom and you know there's just a lot more weight to it and maybe that's a maybe that's something they were trying to get to maybe they wanted to sort of draw parallels to that without calling it out too hard or anything but you know the actual the ptsd hits them hard and early and settles in for the long haul so it's crazy i'm looking at wiki now to see if i can find a year uh it was based on a 1979 novel father sky it follows a group of military school students uh, Cruz's second film role following a brief appearance in Endless Love, released in 1981, just a few months before Taps. I don't think it was a period piece. I just, I, okay. I think it was just supposed to be like modern day, which there's not a lot of like, I mean, it was a different time when, you know, not like technology is like now, but there's not a lot of technology in the movie either way to like sort of tip its hand one way or the other. At one point, Tom Cruise holds up like a walkie-talkie to his head that's gigantic, uh, but that just might be military grade, you know what I mean? So it's hard to it's hard to say based on what's around yeah. them. I'm sure if people knew guns, they would know a little bit, maybe more, I don't know guns. But. Yeah, I wasn't really, there's only a few scenes take 
that take place off campus, so I couldn't really tell by the cars or the, any of the style or any of that kind of thing. But I was. I felt like, and maybe this is just misinterpretation, but I felt like the the, the gang of outsiders that I was talking about were dressed kind of modern-ish. I, I feel like if they were fifties or sixties, they'd be sort of like more greasery. More greaser. Yeah, I get that. Okay, but you know, I don't right. know. I could, uh, that I might guess, not be right. Yeah. Have you seen Breaking Bad? Have you watched Breaking Bad? I've seen all of Breaking Bad. So, spoilers for anybody who has not seen Breaking Bad, skip ahead 30 seconds or so. Giancarlo Esposito getting lit on fire here reminded me a lot of his death as Gus Fring in Breaking Bad, where he gets exploded upon. Uh, just yeah. fiery demises in both situations. You know me, man. Like, I always love to see people lit on fire in movies. Like, <laughs> I don't know what it, it was, is. It was good fire, too. It was so unexpected also. But the, now that I look back, it was very much like uh, Between Worlds because he had like a big can of gasoline that he accidentally poured all over him. And then he just like lit a match or something, right? No, he and flipped then, the switch he on flipped the generator. The switch. And, and it sparked. Yeah, and yeah. it sparked and it and hit it him. But it instantly engulfed him. That's that's the thing, though. It was like uh, a jump cut, almost, or something. I was very shocked. <laughs> yeah, that was... Oh, boy. I don't think I have any other notes. I have other trivia that I could go through, but... Oh, so, before the movie began, the main actors, Timothy Hutton, Sean Penn, Tom Cruise, all of them, took place in a 45-day-long period of orientation with the students of the Valley Forge Military Academy. They were given the uniforms and authentic military haircuts, slept in campus barracks, and were subjected to the same rigors and hardship that all the Valley Forge cadets went through. And this part is why it's notable. And I don't... I get the sense that, like, this isn't true because it feels like such a diva move so early. But it says that while most of the actors enjoyed and excelled at their orientation, Tom Cruise left training for the comforts of a nearby hotel until filming began. Like, it Hmm. feels like if he's... If that other trivia is right, that he impressed the director with his like drive and his ambition i don't think he's gonna be the one who's like yeah see you later guys i'm gonna go sleep in the hotel like that just doesn't make sense but maybe it's true i don't know i don't know you know what i kind of think like sometimes i think oh it's good to stay in method if that's your thing but if that's not your thing if you just want to kind of turn it off and go to bed in a comfort of a hotel if that helps you become a better actor i think it worked if that's what he did you know maybe that was for the best and and maybe it's a decision like that, that maybe, you know, the director came over and was like, hey, I noticed you're not staying with everybody. What's with that? And he's like, well, my method is to get a great night's sleep and yeah. make sure I'm fresh for the next day and I could like, stay in character like that. So, interesting. There was interference a little bit with a writer's strike or the Screen Actors Guild writer's strike of 1980. Uh, so, the, things sort of got shifted around there a little bit, but that's not of super importance or note. The director, Stanley R. Jaffe, Loved this movie, so, so passionate about it, brought it to Columbia Pictures. They ran into a series of creative problems, uh, but then he took it to 20th Century Fox, who immediately greenlit the project and let them go ahead with production. So this was sort of like a passion project for him. Did he go to military school? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe? All right. I mean, not of like great consequence, but it would, it would be kind of... You know, interesting if, like, he needed to get that out of his system or something. I think that's it. I mean, there's some trivia about, like, the the gymnasium was destroyed. They had sort of difficulties finding a place to shoot this thing. But, you know, nothing of of real note. The, the big thing was Tom Cruise not supposed to be in this big of a role, but impressed people. And it's sort of, a you know, an early... I think it's, it's Sean Penn's first feature film. Um, you know, he'd acted before, but I think this is his first feature. And then, okay. you know, the, the next year he would go on to be Spicoli. So go check out Cage Club and Cinemakers, our episodes of Fast Times Ridgemont High, specifically the Cinemakers one. Like, we love Cage Club, but I think our episode, I don't think there's any doubting that our episode 
of Cinemakers was better than our Cage Club, just because there was more to talk about uh, with Amy yeah, Ackerling than Cage's four <laughs> scenes or whatever. It's hard to do a Cage-centric episode of Fast Times at Ridgemont High. <laughs> yeah. This, it, weirdly, is our last guestless Tom Cruise episode until Collateral. Like, I don't know why anybody, nobody signed up for Collateral, oh. but uh, oh. for a long time, for 22 Cruise years, uh, we will have guests. Before we get there, let us play some games. Let us play right. The Other Tom. If Tom Hanks, oh. go shout out Hanks for the Memories, was in this role of, let me get his name, I don't know if we've said his full name. He's got two first names. Yes, it is uh, David, David Sean. <laughs> but hold on, there's there's a full... He's got, like, a, like a title, too. Hang on. Cadet Captain David Sean, which, yes, two first names. I mean, the first movie, he only had one first name, no last name, just Billy the Arsonist. So now he's got three first names and no last names, really. And he's got that nice official sort of title header going yeah. on, too. So if Tom Hanks were David Sean, I think, based on what we saw in He Knows You're Alone, last week's Tom Hanks episode, I'm going to say that he would be a kind of guy... He might still snap, I don't know, but the way that I see it different is that he's kind of a bookworm. That he's the one reading, like, Sun Tzu, and he's reading all these, like, military strategy, and, like, he's just quietly in the background. And then toward the end of the movie, he comes up with a plan to, like, whether they follow through or not, but he comes up with a plan to take on the military. Because he, you know, he's the, he's the learned one in this group. Like, the other people are the leaders, but he's also a leader, but he also knows the strategy. Like, it feels like based on how much he was into Freud and the ego and all the psychology and whatever last week in He Knows You're Alone, I feel like he might, you know, read up on things and come up with a plan to, you know, take care of business. Nice. Okay. Thank you. I like that turn. I like that take. I'm, I'm going to go in a little bit of a different direction with my version of him. I mean, maybe because, you know, slight spoilers for what's coming, but I'm deep into Bosom Buddies right now because I just got to get ahead of that a little sure. bit. Sure. I'm going to I'm gonna say he kind of plays this role a little less serious. So he's more of like, um, like a prankster, jokester version of this character, but when things get serious, he flips on a switch and like he can, uh, he's not as scary by any means, but he can be mean. We're going to see mean Hanks in this role, like sort of slap around a cadet or two or things like that. But I also don't know if he makes it to the end. I think he might, he might freak out earlier, you know, and uh, try like maybe at the moment where the little boy get shot trying to be freed like maybe he comes out with a machine gun and starts like opening fire because like he can't keep his cool as long yeah. as tom cruise can or something so i'm gonna i'm gonna go with he's still uh, a live wire but he can't really maintain it for as All long right. as cruise can i like it i like it uh right. so now now the, the, the other game the, the the harder question maybe if you were going to stan lee yourself into this movie cameo wise or what they are calling on HTML, husband's talking more or less, the Stanio. Yeah, I love that. I don't know how we didn't trip upon that, but... Great. What would you Stanio yourself into this movie? The tricky thing, Mike, is that we're both of an age that like we don't fit at the military academy. So it's kind of got to be someone Uh-oh. else or somewhere else, right? Because like, we're not... 18 or under, or like 60 plus. With a little bit of restrictions there, what, what would you do? How would you stanio oh, yourself into this okay. movie? Okay, I got it. I know who I am. 
I'm the I'm the guy they trick to get their food supply. <laughs> like you know, they oh. go up to like the back of the mm-hmm. place and they're like, "Yeah, we're coming today." And he's like, "Well, usually, like uh, we deliver it." And he's like, "Ah, oh, right, but uh, the school's closing down, so there's new protocol." I'd just be like, "Sure, whatever, kids, just take what you want. <laughs> like, I'm out of here." Exit stage right. I think I'm going to be the cop in the cop car that they get rammed through. And so they run through my car. I spin around. I roll my window down and just like shrug at the camera like, can you believe it? (laughs) Nice. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. We have an email address here on the show. Run, R-U-N, at cageclub.me. Let us know what you think. We are still, we're recording this one before we release our first episode. We're not usually going to do that. We're just only doing it this time because... I have to go away for work for a week, and so away for we away for a week for work, away a week of work. We need to do it a little bit ahead of time. But if you write in, we will read it the next time we record an episode. Run at cageclub.me. Let us know what you think of the show. Let us know what you think of this movie. The next movie we're doing is The Outsiders. So if you want to watch that ahead of time, give your thoughts on The Outsiders. We'll be happy to read whatever you write on air. Run R U N at cageclub.me. We also have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash cageclub. You can support what we do here. You can also kick in a couple bucks and control what we watch next. More details at patreon.com slash cageclub. Okay, Mike, big question. Does Tom Cruise run in this movie? No, he didn't, did he? I don't think he did. I don't think so. For a movie that centers so much about physical activity... The fact that he doesn't run is sort of surprising. He marches a hell of a lot. He sure does. No, that's that is a little strange because I was, mm, wow. You know, I haven't seen Rock of Ages, which we will get Me to either. at some point. But I feel like we might get a little bit of that choreography back. Oh, What's his name? Stacy yeah. Jacks, right? The uh, the because da- oh, he plays like a dancing rock star, right? He plays like yeah. one of the one of the leads. I don't know much about that except that it was a phenomenon. The the Broadway show I heard was really Stacy Jacks. He is low build on IMDb. I guess it's in order of appearance, maybe who knows? But so maybe a little bit of choreography will come back. But I I don't think yeah. I don't think there's any running. I think it's a run free movie. So we are one of two. Does he you run? Know, yes or no? You know what is going to come back in full force is uh, gunplay. Like, oh, sure. He, he's going to do a hell of a lot of that. And also, I mean, he's not at war in Tropic Thunder, but there is, you know, he's uh, Tropic Thunder. And then there's all sorts of war movies between now and then. So, okay, Mike, time right. for the awards segment, whatever we're going to call them. Still, I don't think we have a, we don't, we haven't Nothing drawn yet. inspiration, I don't think, from either of these movies for an award hmm. title name, but we will get there. Maybe, like, what would it be, like, from this movie? Would it be the Saber? Like the Golden the Sab- Sabers? The golden sabers. Oh no! It'd be the go- it'd be like the the oak leaves, the golden oak leaves. Oh, maybe. that's it. Yes. Okay. I mean, so they, for he now doesn't that's... have them, but he wants them, right? So yeah, they're cherished items. So we'll call them that for now on. So the and people are gonna be leaves. like, "Where the hell did you get that reference?" And be like, "Bro, check out episode two. Episode two. All right. So these at the end of every run of our podcast, we go through, we 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 listen back, we look back at the movies that we talked about, the TV shows we talked about." Highlight the best of the best, the worst of the worst. Allow you, the listener, to vote on your favorite and least favorite into these categories. Mike, best film, worst film? I don't think it's... I think it's somewhere in between. Like, you know, we yeah. didn't nominate last one for either one, but... 
I don't think this is there. I think it's a it's a fine movie, but you know, not noteworthy either way. No. Oh, you know what though? I will. I just want to mention to you more than the listeners. I think after listening back to our episode with Brian over on his podcast for Anna and the Apocalypse over on High School Slumber Party, yep. I've I've sort of uh, changed my star rating. So no longer is two and a half just sort of like a middle of the road, like I enjoyed it movie. I've bumped that up to three stars now. I feel like that's just more general, like right down the middle. Everybody sort of knows what that means. So, like, yeah, I gave this three stars, you know, yeah, right down the middle. I agree. When I, when I, when I heard you say that two and a half was, like, a movie you like, I was like, oh, okay. It's all arbitrary, but I think three is a nice little yeah. cutoff. But... Yeah, I think it helps other people understand more, you know. So, like, if, it, yeah. if that works, then good. Best of the worst, most fun, bad film, no. It's not a bad film. No, again, yeah. Best or worst role? I think it's kind of close to best, but just knowing what's coming. Yeah, we. I know that's the problem. If we didn't know, if somehow we lived in some, if we lived in that universe with the uh, eternal sunshine of the spotless mind place that Chris likes to talk about, where it's like if you could just yeah. rewatch movies for the first time, maybe if we lived there, this would be the arsonist role. <laughs> but like, it's got to be like, can it compete with Ethan Hunt? Really, right? And like exactly. If it yeah, can't. Or Maverick, even. Exactly. Right, right. Uh, most wasted performance. No. Best fight. Now, we've not really defined what the best fight is, but maybe him versus the military? Ooh. Or, yeah. Or even him against the world by the end of this, right? Like, just the way, like, your favorite moment when he was shooting out at everybody, just, you yep. know, him against the world. <laughs> best outfit wardrobe. I mean, him in full, with the mm. red beret in full gear is... It's striking. I mean, it's striking in general, but, like, on him... Like, it works even more. Uh, I mentioned before, best death, gunned down. Absolutely. In his perch. I'm not aware how many times he's going to bite the bullet in this one during Cruise Club, but he sure bit many bullets at the end of this movie. Well, I know one movie where he bites the bullet over and over and over again, oh, so that's, you yeah. know, for one for <laughs> sure. Best line, best freakout. He's got a couple different things here. Defining freakout, I mean, it's it's tough. I feel like for Cage, we had some mm-hmm. sort of just single lines. I felt like the Charlize ones were more like these like extended sort of monologues, like, fuck the world, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's, there's a couple lines in here that I really like, like, it's beautiful man, beautiful, yeah. or like, the grenades and shove them up their asses. Like, if you had to nominate one of those lines, what do you think, uh, which one should it be? Probably the grenade one. I wrote that one down as okay. well. But, but, I mean, he full-on freaks out at the end of this movie in a way that, like only he has i feel like on film so far like i don't like cage like you said like everyone sort of has their own special way of freaking out on camera and i feel like him throffing at the mouth like wild-eyed and like a like a uncaged animal or something like that might be might we might get more of stuff like that of him screaming at the heavens in the future all right I I'll, hope. I'll put it in there so best freak out it's beautiful man beautiful. I wonder if Coppola saw this and was like, oh, I gotta get him in my next movie. I should have had him in Apocalypse Now. Look at him in this. He's, oh, he's at... <laughs> Well, he would have been like 15, 16 in Apocalypse oh, Now. Oh, true. But... Yeah. I mean, Lawrence Fishburne was like 14 in that movie. Was he really? Yeah. <sighs> wow. Yeah. Best running scene does not. Best uh, best freak out I have here. Uh, worst love story, best love story, no. Most badass role? I'm gonna say yeah. Yeah. I mean, even down the line, this might compete with a couple things to come. I don't, I don't want to say no, but like that's, it's it, it's gonna, it'll be tough, but maybe. Cap, Cadet Captain David Sean. Best non-cruise actor, male or female, or worst non-cruise actor, male or female. I feel like, like Timothy Hutton here is good, but I also feel yeah. like in even like two or three weeks, like I'm not gonna remember him in this movie. Like he didn't like stand mm-hmm. out to me in a way that other people, like I can still remember things that your boy, show me the money, 
uh, Cuba Gooding Jr., which is coming back right. for this podcast, the things he did in Men of Honor. You know what I mean? Like, this, I feel like, was good, but I feel like a lot of this sort of, over time, will just fade into the, the, the backdrop, the draperies of my mind. The things I'll remember from this movie are just Tom Cruise losing his goddamn mind. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I was even disappointed that George E. Scott bowed out after, like, the first reel, but maybe maybe he just was tired of playing military dudes at this point and stuff, and it was just like, I'll give you a a uh, couple minutes, but that's it. Yeah. <laughs> and I went out of this movie. Yeah, so like maybe if he had stuck around for the whole thing, but I agree. I mean, I got to be honest. Like I had, I had known the name Timothy Hutton, but I don't know like any of his other work aside from this. I couldn't tell you really. So like he didn't, unfortunately, he didn't stick in my mind. Sean Penn, no, thank you. There's no women, unfortunately. Cruz just stole the show. Yeah. So we nominated this for six awards. Uh, best fight, right. best outfit wardrobe, best death, best line, best freakout, most badass role. Anything else of note in this movie that we should, we want to nominate it for? Or are we we good? I mean, that's a lot of awards for this movie, but mm-hmm. I think they're all justified. But anything else about this movie or his performance in it that we want to recognize? Or I think are we good to move on to the Outsiders next week? Yeah, I'm excited to move on, man. I mean, this was this was a lot of fun. This was a surprise. I'd never seen this movie. I kind of just knew it took place at a military academy so like all of the plot and stuff was a surprise and new and, and everything and they're getting better and better right like we're <laughs> yeah. so hopefully the trend will continue yeah Cruz's performance in this just blew me away so that was definitely like just just clapping and laughing and losing my <laughs> mind while I was watching them so it was, it was good time we'll come back in two weeks we're talking about the outsiders right here on Cruise Club which we mentioned earlier Brian Rodriguez on High School Slumber Party already covered the Outsiders. So if you want to listen to his episode about that, I think with Chris Carroll or maybe somebody else, go listen to Brian's episode of uh, The Outsiders on the High School Slumber Party. In a way, kind of helped inspire us to do this because, you know, his guest on that episode said that's like one of his last roles, if not his last role, where he's not the star. And I was like, oh shit, maybe we should do him. So thank you, Brian. Shout out High School Slumber Party. But with us in two weeks on our Outsiders episode, we will have Joe too my co-host of a oh. handful of podcasts, but most most notably right now, Too Fast, Too Forever, in which we are in lap three, watching all the Fast and Furious movies on repeat forever. And mm. lap three, we're joined by you, Mikester, for the ride-along lap. So go check out the Fast and the Furious lap three, episode one, two, whatever's out right now. And we're also joined by Island Addington, co-host of the Contenders podcast right here on the network, where in a little bit, Mike and I might be on their show again, uh, talking about another Tom movie coming up in a little bit. So some teasers, some spoilers, some uh, previews there. But Joe Two and Island will join us in two weeks. Our first guests here on Cruise Club for The Outsiders in two weeks on Cruise Club. Awesome. Very Any cool. last thoughts about Taps or Cruise Club before we uh, pack it in? I think we're two for two so far, my man. Like, this has yep. been a very good idea. And uh, I feel like we're going to be having a lot more fun as this goes along. So, like, yeah, I'm very happy right now. So, bring it on. Good, good things. For all things Cruise Club and Hanks for the Memories on our other 23 total shows on the network, you can go to cageclub.me. Facebook.com slash Cage Club or at Cage Club Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, run, R-U-N, at cageclub.me. Also, go check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash cageclub. Control what we want to watch next, what other series we're going to release special online. And, you know, we'll see you in a couple weeks for the next episode of Cruise Club. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. We'll see you in two weeks for The Outsiders right here on Cruise Club. 